0: We are so thankful for all of you that are here today. Thanks for coming, being in the house of God. I know you value the Word of God or you would not be here today. And so we open our Bibles and our hearts to the preaching of the Word of God. And I turn your attention to 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 6. 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 6. So the people went out into the field against Israel. And the battle was in the wood of Ephraim where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David. And there was there a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country. And the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. The wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. I'd like to speak this morning for a few moments in your hearing on this subject, the woods of Ephraim, the woods of Ephraim. Would you bow your heads and pray? Lord, we are thankful for your presence, thankful for your anointing, thankful for your spirit that draws us and guides us. What a great God you are, Lord. Thankful for this great group of people that have come together into your house today to be in your presence. And Lord, we know that you have a special word for each and every one of us. We ask you, Lord, that our hearts would be good ground, that the seed of your word can fall on and it will bring forth life and fruit and produce, God, the things that you would have for us, each and every one, in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In the scriptures that we read, this was a difficult time for the nation of Israel. It was a civil war. Uh, David was king, and certainly under David's reign, Israel became a mighty nation, the most powerful, the most feared nation in the world at that time. But his son Absalom had risen up against him and had divided the hearts of the people. And what was true then is also true now and that is if you have more than one vision you have division and so the enemy is always trying to devour God's people from within some of the people were with David and some gave their allegiance to Absalom because he had promised favor and, and access to the throne that he certainly could not fulfill and rather than fight against his son David and his men abandoned the palace and they went into the surrounding lands. Absalom then assumed that, that role, that position, he took over the palace with his men and established his own cabinet and, and now he is uh, in control of Israel. And David and his loyal men are out and they're in the woods of Ephraim. Absalom now has a taste of power and, taste of blood in his mouth and he decides to pursue after david and his men as long as they're out there they are a threat to his kingdom and so he left the palace and he left the comforts of jerusalem and went into the woods of ephraim uh, to fight against david and his loyal men the battle inevitably took place in a forest a forest with many trees, low hanging branches, stumps, holes where trees had fallen, and the earth had been disrupted. It was it was treacherous, uh, even to be on foot, much less on horseback at full speed, uh, fighting against an opposing army. And so these men were there in these woods of Ephraim, and they were. Uh, fighting one against the other perhaps many of them related perhaps many of them uh, acquaintances people that they knew it was countrymen one turned against the other and yet here they were in these woods fighting with all of these obstacles as they were I remember uh, the first time I I realized how dangerous it was to be on a fast-moving horse in a forest. It was a number of years ago when I uh, was on the back of a horse by the name of Leo. Leo was an Appaloosa horse that was beautiful, some 17 hands high, and he was so spirited. He used to be Uh, They tried to make him the horse that would go out into the stadium before the Florida State Seminole games and take on the role of renegade. The guy that rode it uh, is a friend of mine by the name of Andy Taylor that's in the Tallahassee Church, and and, uh, he's very good with horses. He received a scholarship uh, from FSU to just ride out on this horse, and and the horse rears up, and they plant a flaming spear in the middle of the field, and... The football game begins. Well, Leo was so spirited that they could not control him. When he got in a stadium with eighty thousand people, he just got so excited he he could not be controlled. Uh, Andy told me he said, "I've been able to break. I grew up with horses and missing. I've been able to break every horse, but Leo, I could do nothing with him." and so they sold leo at a very very inexpensive price to my good friend pastor larry sims in tallahassee florida and so when i would go horseback riding with my friend he put me on leo the horse that could not be broken is now being ridden by a city slicker who is not a horseman by any stretch of the imagination But I don't know why, but I fell in love with Leo. Maybe I could relate to his spirit. I don't know. But Leo was so fun. He was full of life, and I quickly developed a relationship with him. And so when I would go visit my friend, I would would ask, can we go see Leo? And we'd go see Leo, and I would climb up on Leo and, and say several prayers and we would be off in the woods well my friend being the mischievous friend that he is he knew that leo would never ever lose a race and so he was on some old mare and he was behind me because leo was always in front and he got that mare running and he came running by me on leo with this mare and I saw Leo look over at this mare, and without any encouragement, and certainly with a lot of discouragement from me, Leo laid his ears back and shot off like a cannonball out of a cannon. And I went, No, Leo, no, whoa, Leo. It did not matter what I did. Leo was racing as fast as he could go. And as I was flying on this horse, it felt like I was going 60 miles an hour. I was going so fast, I was trying to hold on with all that I had. And my friend was hollering from behind now on the mare. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, And I could not tell what my friend was saying. And he was saying that Leo was going to turn up ahead. Because he knew that Leo was headed to the barn. Though we were on a dirt path, there was solid woods on either side of us. So sure enough, unbeknownst to me, where or when or what, Leo takes a hard right at full speed and shoots off through the woods. When he takes a hard right, all of my body mass shifts to the left side of the horse with nothing but a right heel on his back. And so I am hanging on like this and trees are coming at me very rapidly. And I realized that I will die any moment. And so I'm like, I've either got to get off this horse Or I got to climb back on his back. And somehow, I don't know if it was just fear or survival instincts, but I somehow got back on the top of that horse as he raced through these woods and came right up to a field where the barn was and came to a stop. And when he did, I just rolled off the horse, my heart beating, no doubt, 150 beats a minute. I was scared out of my mind. My friend came up on his old mare just laughing. He said, I was trying to tell you, he's going to turn right. I'm like, it would have been good to know that way back there. <laughs> and I thought about that as I read this story. How could it be that in a day when 20,000 people died, most of them, at least ten thousand and one? in did not die because of the sword of an opponent. They died because of the woods. They died because of low hanging branches. They died because of trees and the thickness of the woods. Even Absalom is galloping along and his hair gets caught in the the branches of a low hanging tree and he's pulled off of his horse. He was the the, the one who had started this entire conflict. So the Bible gives that narrative. But thousands of them died because of the woods. Not because of the sword. Not because an opponent came up behind them or beside them and thrust a sword into their side. No, it wasn't the opponent that took them out was just the woods many times ladies and gentlemen it's not the devil that trips us up it's not the sword of the enemy it's just the woods that cares of life the stuff that we allow to hang around we don't clear it out of our mind we don't clear it out of our spirit we harbor something and a tree starts to grow a tree starts to grow in the garden that God has given us like he did Adam and Eve something starts to take root and we don't clear it out we start out strong we clear out all of the underbrush but just like that lot across the street here that we own the woods keep trying to take it back and brother Jenkins goes out there with the bush hog and clears it all down and clears it all out it's beautiful you could have a picnic out there if you wanted but then the next day the next week the next month and the forest tries to come back and if you don't keep it clean the forest will try to take it back over and over and over. I'm thankful that God saved us, ladies and gentlemen. I'm thankful that we've been baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But ladies and gentlemen, it's gonna take more than just being saved at seven or eight years old. It's gonna take more than just living on an experience of 30 years ago. Every day you gotta get up and you gotta clear the woods. Every day you gotta get up and say, this is the day that the Lord Lord hath made, I'm not going to die because of the woods. You got to keep it clean. Ephraim was a son of Joseph. He was one of two sons that were born in Egypt. He was born in the palace. Joseph had been so blessed of the Lord that he had been brought to the palace of Pharaoh, Egypt. And And so now Ephraim, being the youngest son, is being raised with the best schools, the best tutoring, all of the uh, wealth that Egypt could afford was bestowed upon Ephraim and his older brother Manasseh. And Joseph had now taken his sons to his father, Jacob. Jacob, of course, had been reunited with his son, Joseph. And he even says, I never thought I would see Joseph. And now I'm getting to pray a blessing on my grandsons. And so now his eyes are dim with age. And no doubt he reflects back to when his father, Isaac, who also had lost his sight with age. Certainly they didn't have cataract surgery back then like they do now. And as they would grow older, their eyes would grow dim. The Bible refers to that on numerous occasions. And certainly Jacob remembers he was the younger of the, his twin brother Esau and, 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 and yet he had received the blessing through trickery, through the help of his mother and through Esau's desire for instant gratification. Maybe all of those things were playing in Joseph's mind. And as he brings his sons alongside of his father who's now... In his remaining moments and days, he says, dad, I want you to bless my sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, Manasseh being the oldest one. The Bible says that that Joseph guided him along the bed so that his dad's hand, right hand would be on Manasseh, the oldest, honoring the birthright covenant, that the oldest son would receive the blessing, the authority, the anointing. So he guides Manasseh there and yet Ephraim, the younger son, comes up alongside and and Joseph guides his sons there so that Ephraim will be along the left hand and and the right hand will be Manasseh and that right hand representing the the power and the blessing from the father. And he guides his sons there and and as he guides them along, uh, here's Jacob now, his eyes dim uh, and he crosses his hand. And he takes his right hand and goes to put it over on top of Ephraim and put his left hand on Manasseh. And whenever Joseph sees it, he thinks his dad is senile or something. He's lost it. And he goes, oh, no, dad. The Bible said he, 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 he raised his hand off of it. He said, no, no, no. You're, you're praying the wrong way. That's, that's Manasseh. That's Ephraim. You've switched. Jacob says to his son, Joseph, I know. I know what I'm doing. He said, Manasseh will be great, but Ephraim is going to even be greater. In his seed and his children, there's going to be a multitude of generations. And they are going to be blessed. And he said, I'm praying with my right hand on the top of Ephraim. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so glad that the Lord didn't judge you and me like the world judged us. The world wanted to put you in some sort of a lesser position because of who your parents were or who your grandparents were or what your upbringing was or the mistakes you had made in your past. The enemy wanted to try to convince you that you're always going to be in a subservient position. But the Lord said, I don't think so. He crossed his hands and he said, I'm going to call them my children, which were not my children and my beloved, which were not my beloved. He can break all the traditions of the past, and he can give you a blessing that will blow your mind. He said, I'm going to use you, and you're going to be blessed, and your children are going to be blessed, and your children's children are going to be blessed. And certainly Ephraim became one of the most powerful groups of people, being one of the 12 tribes of Israel, and yet they were feared, just that tribe was feared by all the surrounding tribes and people and and other nations and And so uh, the the tribe of Ephraim becomes so established as warriors that are undefeated in battle and they're feared by all the other nations because of that blessing that came on them. And and when Joshua and the children of Israel come out of Egypt and then they wander in the wilderness for 40 years, Moses dies. And now Joshua has come over and led the children of Israel over across the Jordan River and they're dividing up the land among all the different tribes. Uh, The Bible said that when Joshua came into the the promised land he's the leader he can pick of any of the land that he wants Uh, the bible says that joshua chose mount ephraim that's where i want to be there was something special about ephraim they had a tremendous heritage they won many battles joshua says put me in ephraim and all through those ages there was that blessing upon ephraim but there's a little verse in judges chapter 1 and verse 29 and it just says this neither did ephraim drive out the canaanites that dwelt in gezer but the canaanites dwelt in Geezer among them ephraim allowed some things to stay that should have been driven out they allowed some folks to stay in their life that should have been removed and the woods uh, grew thicker. They started out with authority. They started out with power. They started out with blessing, but they let a whole stuff, a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of circumstances and situations hang around. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't let stuff hang around in your life. I know God saved you. I know God's delivered you, but every day you got a clean house. You got to have a clean mind and a clean heart and a clean spirit. You can't let a wounded spirit destroy you you can't die without a sword in your hand you can't let the woods of life take you out you gotta say every day i'm gonna get up and say this is the day that the lord hath made i will rejoice and be glad in it if there's anything in my heart if there's anything in my spirit that doesn't belong here god i'm asking you to take it out Otherwise, the woods come back and they grow thicker. I want to remind you today that you don't need the devil to be lost. You can be lost without the devil ever picking up his pitchfork or whatever he picks up. Don't die on the devil's day off. If you're going to die, you ought to die going down in a fight. Don't just die because of the woods. If you're going to die, die because you fought a good fight. Because you kept the faith. You don't need a battle to perish. Most people just die because of the woods. You don't have to fall into some big sin to be lost. All you got to do is just get busy doing other things because more people are lost because of the trees than they are the sword. Just get occupied with other stuff. The tree of busyness. Just so busy, pastor. Wish I would be in church, but I'm just so busy tree of hurt feelings. I, I got offended the other day when somebody was preaching and said something about house cats. It really upset me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> I have no idea if anybody got offended with a house cat. I've got one named Daisy. She lives upstairs with my daughter Once in a while, we see her. You can get offended about anything. And a tree starts to grow. The tree of not going to church like you used to. The tree of not praying like you used to. The tree of working on Sundays. The tree of not reading your Bible. The tree of entertainment. The tree of politics. The tree of not forgiving. The tree of pride. The tree of guilt. The tree of awkwardness. Well, Pastor, I'd want to go back to church, but my my ex girlfriend goes to that church and it'd just be awkward for me to be there with. Her sitting there. Oh, so many trees. I, I just I, I just don't think I can do it. I I, I just got I gotta find something else to do. I gotta find somewhere else to go. Some people are going to survive COVID only to lose their soul because they waited too long to go back to church. They didn't die because of the sword. They died because of the trees. They got comfortable staying home and not getting ready for church and a tree started to grow. We've not had a single person die in this church because of COVID, but we have over 130 people who have not been to church in a year. Some of those people will never make it back. They'll die because of the woods. You multiply that by thousands of churches across America and around the world, and the woods are killing more people. It's not some big old sin. It's not some big old crisis. It's just the woods that are killing more people than the sword of the enemy. Oh, but I'm thankful for people that say, I'm not going to let the woods take me out. I'm thankful for people like Frank that are sitting right here that's gone through chemo and everything else, but they're still in the house of God, not afraid, lifting up their hands and worshiping the Lord, not going to let a tree grow there. I'm thankful for Jimmy that's gone through radiation and chemo, but he's sitting back there with his wife because he's not going to let a tree grow there. I'm thankful for sister Flick that lost her husband a few months ago, but there she is in the house of God because she's not going to let a tree go there. For John, that's sitting right here, that COVID tried to take him out, but he said, I'm not gonna die without a fight, and he's in the house of God today. I'm thankful for men and women that say, I'm gonna make it, the trees are not gonna kill me. Why die because of the woods? Why not die because of the sword? Die because of a battle that you waged. You gave it everything you had. You left it all on the field. A few years ago, I walked Omaha Beach where thousands of young men gave their lives on D-Day. The landing of Normandy. We knew at some point we were going to have to get a foothold in Europe to drive back. The Nazis. I walked those beaches and I thought about all of the bloodshed. Thought about how sad that when those Higgins boats would, those landing boats would come up on the sand and they'd drop the front of that boat and all of those men would rush out. Many of them being shot and killed before they even got in the water. As those German nests are still up there where all those guns were mowing down many of those boys were 18 and 19 years old their bodies all floating around i walked those beaches and i thought in my mind of what it must have been like on that day the bloodshed on that beach and all of the bodies floating in the water and i thought about how sad that these young men just getting started in life died on this beach Omaha Beach, Utah Beach. They died. And I walked up and down that beach. And then something hit me. Wait a second. It hit me. Those men died for a cause. The liberation of the world from fascism and Nazism. They died on the battlefield. They died protecting our liberty. What's really sad is the thousands of young people that die every day from drug overdose. Think about all of those bodies stacked up. Think about all of the young people that die from texting while they're driving. Think about all of the young people that die from taking their own lives because they're depressed, because their boyfriend broke up with them. That's what's really sad. All the ones that died without a battlefield. They died without a cause. They died in the woods. They died because of the cares of life. They died from self-inflicted wounds. I say to this great church today, if you're gonna die, die on the battlefield of having a sword in your hand and a word in your mouth and swinging and giving it everything you've got. Don't just die because of the woods. In the parable of the sower and the seed, Jesus told of four different kinds of ground that the farmer would find when he goes to sow the seed. And he was talking about when the word of God goes forth. The different kinds of ground is the conditions of a man or a woman's heart. And he said, you know, he's using a parable so that the common man would understand they were farmers, they were fishermen. He said, you know, when a farmer goes out and sows the seed indiscriminately, he just broadcasts the seed in a variety of ground that's beneath his feet. He said, there's four different kinds of ground. The first one is good ground. You know, that's when your heart's ready for the word of God. It's open and the word of God goes forth and it falls on good ground. And you said, I need the Lord. I've tried to do this on my own. I believe the word. And so the soil of your heart opens up and receives the seed of the word. And it goes down and it it gets its roots established and it's nourished and it bears fruit. And something powerful happens. That's the good ground. But only 25% have good ground. He said the second kind of ground is the wayside. The seed, as it's thrown, lands on the wayside. And on the wayside, the birds and the fowls come and take it, devour it. They eat the seed before it can get planted. And he said, the third is stony ground. He said, stony ground is where the seed falls and there's not much earth. And because it doesn't get planted, it springs up. It doesn't take root. And the sun came and scorched it. And it withers away because it it has to deal with the heat of the climate, but it's not got the soil, the nutrients, the water. And so it withers away. And the fourth is some of the seed goes forth and falls among thorns. And the thorns choke it out. Only one of the four is good ground. So three out of the four ways... The word of God can go forth and not be effective in your heart, in my heart. Three out of the four ways. And of those three, only one is the result of a third party. Only the wayside where the birds come and devour it. That's the only one that involves something that's outside of the condition of the ground. The other two. Our woods. Two out of the three, two out of the three ways that your heart can reject the word of God is simply the woods. Stones and thorns, they're already in the ground. They're a part of our nature. Two weeks ago, we celebrated a risen savior. We celebrated the fact that Jesus conquered death on that resurrection day. To when you're up in the ebb and the flow of life and the good days and the bad confusion of the woods. He showed us how to live and how to live victorious. He showed us how to navigate the woods, how to defeat the tendency of the flesh to self-destruct. I say to you today, whatever tree is trying to grow in your garden. I want you to name it and disown it. It's time to chop down some trees that are stealing your joy, that are stealing your victory. Got too many low hanging branches that's got you smothered and crawling on your belly on the ground. It's time to stand up, stand up straight, and take the sword of the Spirit and chop down some stuff that's been hanging out in your life long enough. You ought to name it. You ought to name it and not claim it. You ought to name it and disown it. You ought to say that thing is not staying in my life any longer. I'm not gonna harbor that attitude or that spirit. I'm not gonna let that thing destroy me. I'm not gonna allow the enemy to drag me out into the woods and destroy me because of the trees. Absalom left, Jerusalem left the palace and went out and took the fight to David in the woods of Ephraim and it was his end. It was his undoing because he left the palace to go into the woods. Can I tell you today that the enemy would like to try to draw you out of the house of God and draw you away from the temple of God's presence and to drag you out of the woods and isolate you and kill you. Oh no my friend You ought to say this is the day That the Lord hath made I'm going to rejoice and be glad You've been baptized with the Holy Ghost You've been filled with the Spirit You've been buried in the name of Jesus Don't die because of the woods Mm. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, it's time to get a bush hog, backhoe. It's it's time to get some chainsaws. It's time to clear out some stuff. Mm. I'm going to tell you something right now. You can't choose your church online like you would pick an item off of the Amazon superstore you can't shop for your preacher online like you'd shop for a book online no my friend he said forsake not the assembling of yourselves together Come on, you get so tied to entertainment, sitting in your pajamas, sipping on a caramel mocha, and you just sitting there at ease in Zion. Come on, there was a harp that you used to play in the house of God. There was a joy that used to reverberate through your family when it was time to go to Sunday school. Come on, it's time to get the harp down. I'm preaching to somebody today. It's time to get your harp off the willow tree. It's time to get your joy back. It's time to get your shoes back on your feet uh, and get into the house of God uh, and say I'm getting my joy back Uh, I'm getting my worship back don't die in the woods don't die without a fight gird up your loins Woo! The garden of Eden was not a forest. It was a garden. But there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It got him in trouble. Though there were other trees in that garden, it only takes one tree to knock you out of God's will. And you got to take ownership of Of the word of God, Eve said in verse 3, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said. First of all, she shouldn't have been having a conversation with the enemy. The serpent never had to bite her and put his poisonous fangs in her. All he had to do was question what she believed. But when she said, God hath said, you shall neither eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. God didn't say anything about touching it. She added that. You got to be careful what you add to the word of God. I said, you got to be careful what you add to the word of God. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. And the reason that he felt the freedom to question what God said was because Eve didn't say, this is the way it is. She said, what God has said. And that gave an opening to the enemy. She didn't take ownership of it. She said, God has said. That's what the church teaches. She didn't claim it. She didn't say, I can't take part of anything from that tree. She said, God hath said. And when the enemy heard that, it gave him an open door. And he said, ye shall not surely die. Because she said, God hath said. Oh, my friend. That was a tree that had grown up in her spirit. God told us that, but I don't know if it's true or not. I've heard that from Adam, but I don't know for myself. Oh, you got to know him for yourself. Amen. You can't make it on what your daddy or your granddaddy believed. you got to take ownership of it. I know that I know that I know that I am part of the redeemed let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I am an overcomer. I am a child of God. Come on, he said he'd make you the head and not the tail. You got to take ownership of it. I belong in the family of God. When the enemy came tempting Jesus, he didn't say, This is what God has said. He said, It is written, it is established. Oh, my friend, you got to establish some things and you got to say, I'm going to take it to the bank. This is going to be it and nothing is going to defeat it. Nothing's going to come against me because I'm going to name it and I'm not going to allow that thing to get root in my spirit. you got to claim the strength of Jesus Christ. you got to declare that the Lord overcame and I am baptized in his name and I'm going to overcome. Come on, you got to take it. This is how I choose to live. This is what I believe. I'm going to receive his strength through worship. I'm going to receive his strength through forgiveness. I'm going to receive his strength through anointing. I'm not going to let the woods take me out because I'm not sure of where I am. I know that I know that I know my Redeemer liveth. Would you stand to your feet? When I think about the redeemed of the Lord. And I think about a group of people that have the Spirit of God on board. How many times do we come into this building and feel the presence of God? The devil and his generals have to strategize. What can we do? A weapon formed against them shall prosper can't do anything with the sword. Greater is he that is in them. They got a bigger sword. They got a sharper sword. We can't beat the church with our weapons. Weapons of our warfare, not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The devil can't defeat you with a sword. All he can do is get you in the woods. Get you distracted. Get you weighed down with the cares of life. Slowly drag you out of the palace. Out of his presence. And into the woods of Ephraim where there's one obstacle after another. And while you're looking down the road, a tree takes you out. I've come to sound an alarm this morning. There's more people that die in the woods and that die with the sword. I say to this great church, don't die in the woods. I don't know how else to say it, other than say it's time to embrace the strength of Jesus and get your victory back through worship, get your joy back through declaring he is great and greatly to be praised. It's time to be reminded, I've been filled with His Spirit. I've been washed in His blood. Thank you, Lord. If you want to come to the front or you want to pray in your pew, it makes no difference to me. But here's what I do ask. I ask that we make this entire building an altar right now and that everybody in this building would lift your hands and your voice like a trumpet. And would you declare right now the strength of Jesus Christ in your life? Oh yes, I'm coming out of the woods. I've been on the peripheral too long. Come on, I've been out on the sidelines too long. I gotta get back to where I was. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. I got to get my joy back. I got to get my anointing back. I got to get my purpose and my vision back. I got to go back to the way it used to be. Come on. Lift up your hands and your voice. Every tree's got to come down. Every obstacle's got to be removed.